calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hi, Miss Keegan. Hi, Miss Madigan. How are you doing today? Kind of wanting to burn everything down. How about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just baseline 2020, honestly. Right? Like, you kind of start there when you wake up in the morning. You're already at that, like, want to burn everything down. And then as the day goes on, it just gets like worse and worse and worse and worse. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I told Anthony, like, we were already trying to decide what we wanted to do for what would have been our wedding date, which was August 1st, is August 1st. Uh, We wanted to do something. And of course, that's becoming more and more difficult with probably more restrictions coming back uh, due to COVID. So we're not sure what we want to do. You could do what my friend did where like they did a Zoom call with their bridal party where they had the background of the Zoom be their wedding venue. I really don't want to do that. Okay, okay. (laughs) Like I I understand it and I know why a lot of people like to do that. But I really like even back whenever we thought we might be able to even get together with people, people were like, hey, like, why don't we get friends together? We'll go out of town. We'll we'll do something. And I was like, I really, I think I just want to be with my fiance and yeah. be like away from things so that we can kind of like mourn in peace. Uh, I think that's and, a good and point. Now, and now more than ever, like I was telling him I want to be somewhere because he was like, let's go to Palm Springs and hang by the pool. And I'm like, well, first of all, we hang by the pool all the time. Uh, and secondly, I was like, I want to go to the mountains. I want to go to the forest. I want to go somewhere where I don't have cell phone <laughs> Reception. We, we were going to go to Sequoia for my birthday, but unfortunately, because we don't have uh, a vehicle, we can't really trust a pit bull in a tent in the night when she hears an animal. But I've heard it's gorgeous up in Sequoia if you're looking for Me a place too. to go. Me too. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. I un- So I understand what you're feeling as far as just being like angry. And it's, it's a tough, it's a tough time. And, and I oscillate between feeling like I get really annoyed when I hear people lump in all of the things that have surrounded the Black Lives Matter movement 
in with all of the other shit that's happened in 2020 as far as being like, what a crazy year, huh? What, like, right. so awful. No, it's so I, terrible. I agree. And I'm like, but I'm like, but we needed this, though. Well, like, yes, it's hard and it's emotionally very difficult. Yes. But it's like, I'm so happy it's happening. Though. Yeah. But to say also, like, 2020, what a crazy year, that's kind of ignoring the fact that, like, one, the Black Lives Matter movement has been going on since, what, like, 2012? Like, this isn't new. And black people have been killed by police forever. Like, that's the thing is that you can't look at it as like, oh, 2020 is a wash or what is 2020? It's like, no, this we have been building up to this for years and years and years. This isn't something that we should be shying away from. This is something that we should be inviting. This is something that we should be learning about and being, you know what I mean? So it's like when when people say that, it's just kind of like, okay, but when you're saying UG 2020, to me, it sounds like you're erasing all the past years where the same shit's been happening, but just no one's been talking about it. Right. But I mean, I think that that's why they're saying it, though, is because it's happening now. People are talking about it now and it's exhausting. And like, yes, it is exhausting and it's scary and it's hard work and you're crying and you're mad and you're wanting to burn it all down, like on top of everything else. I understand why that is a lot and it's hard, but it is so necessary that I don't want you to throw in all of your quote unquote negative feelings about this movement, I don't want you to throw that in with your negative feelings about being stuck inside. Right. You know what I mean? And like the they're thing not is, equivalent. is that I would challenge people who are having negative thoughts about these feelings because even I have had the thought cross my mind of, oh, I miss early quarantine where things were just simple. I mean, not early, early quarantine because I was freaking out. But, you know, like that thought has crossed my mind. And I would challenge people like I did for myself to stop and think about that for a second because the grander scheme of things is so much more. And I would challenge you to take your negative thoughts and turn them into something that you can do positive. I've found great journal entries, especially for white people. I have found lots of great books. Keegan, you posted a lot of really great resources on your page the other day, your personal page. And I have found that the more that I educate myself, it's not that the less mad I get, but the more I'm able to turn that anger into something that I can feasibly see myself taking steps to change. And that's something that's new for me because we've talked about this stuff for years and I've been aware of it and I know the names and I know the stories and all these things. But the more education I'm getting at the real basis of what our laws are and what our police is doing and the funding and everything, it's helping me turn some of that confusion or not knowing what to do into actually taking feasible steps on how I can possibly make some sort of tiny contribution to the larger picture. And I think especially for white people who are thinking of this as a negative thing, you need to rephrase your thinking because this is that this is nothing like <laughs> this. Absolutely nothing. And you can turn that anger into fight and positivity and make a difference. Right. And just understand that, like, if you are longing for things to go back to the way that they were, you need to examine that very closely. You you really need to examine why very much you so. feel that way. What is that rooted in? Because you have to have the understanding that normal wasn't working for everybody. And in fact, even though it may have been comfortable, even though it may have been comfortable for you, really examine whether normal was good enough for you even. Because the system is really built right. to uphold 
a very specific kind of person. And yes, white people have an advantage just across the board, point blank period. If you have been educating yourself at all during this time, um, you should you should right, know that. that should go without um, saying However, the system is specifically built to hold up not just white people, but also wealthy people. The system is classist as well. So just know that like what people are fighting for, what they're showing up for, it's for you too, most likely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is that that's the beautiful thing about intersectionality as well. While this fight is not about me... There is something about this movement that calls to me because I believe that the betterment of the black community is going to be a betterment of this country and of the world. And it's only going to spread from there. If we can start making positive change in such a an important part of our American history, if we can start slowly taking those steps forward, all of these positive movements are only going to become stronger when we're together you know I think a lot about the Black Panther Party especially during this time and I think about how they were so open to other groups of people and they wanted to bring people closer together to care about their cause and to also you know share show that they cared for them as well and I think that that's something in the future that could come out of all of this I think that black people have historically, I mean, and this is something that black people get really frustrated by. Um, I know we haven't started talking about any news yet, but um, black people do get very frustrated by the fact that they are always opening the door and fighting for other people to walk through it since the very fucking beginning. Like that has always been the case Um, before the women's movement. There was the abolitionist movement. It has always been this way. Um, Hassan, I can't remember his last name, but I think he was on The Daily Show. He has a show now on Netflix and he did a very powerful um, piece where he is... um, Indian, I believe. He's an Indian-American. And he was having a conversation basically asking all other brown immigrants to step up and get in the fight. And he was saying how um, it's African-Americans. It's the work that African-Americans did. They put their bodies on the line to, you know, allow to open the door to allow immigrants to be able to come into this country and then people walk through that door and then they turn their backs on black people. Right. And so black people have come in and they've, they've started these movements, but make no mistake while black lives matter is about black lives mattering period. Um, whatever strides we make as far as dismantling the system will help all oppressed people period. Right. And I guess you brought up a point of a side that I, you know, I have obviously considered but wasn't thinking about when I was saying that. I think what I'm trying to say is just that, like, if we're going to attack an oppressed group of people and if that's going to start us going and get us angry enough right now, I think that's just kind of my point. It's like it's only exactly what you said is going to benefit all of us and it's not and that's not really the point like that's not really why I'm like doing any of this or wanting to don't do this yeah don't do this because you want to help yourself however however the system is built anybody who is being oppressed by the system will benefit from dismantling the system right well and and I think that's the point that I think we've been saying for a long time too is that defunding or dismantling the system is not a scary thing it's something we should be welcoming to you know restart a better nation for ourselves 
Um, should we start getting into some news, Keegan? Yes, I think we absolutely should. I think we kind of have to at this point. So I want to talk a bit about Elijah McClain. He is someone that you've probably been seeing on Instagram and Twitter quite a bit. But unfortunately, if you Google the name Elijah McClain, you don't get much. I think I got maybe four or five articles total. No CNN, no real major ones, um, and very few photos So I got as much information as I could. I have seen his last words written all over Instagram. I wrote a lot of things down, but I also watched the half an hour video of him being arrested and it was absolutely traumatic. I'm not going to go through the whole thing with you because this would be a very long episode and I would start crying again. So when I first saw this story, I was under the impression that this was a recent death the first time that I saw it before I read any articles involving it. And Elijah actually died on August 24th, 2019. So it's been almost a year. It's been almost exactly about 10 months. It will be 10 months yesterday, I guess. Uh, he was in Aurora, Colorado, and a citizen called 911 after seeing him walking down the street wearing a ski mask and, quote, flailing his arms. Uh, it was believed that he was listening to music at the time, which he tells the cops and his friends say that he was probably dancing. And this was something like the fact that somebody would call 911 on somebody like singing and dancing down the street is such a foreign thing to me because Keegan, you can attest to this. The drive past mm-hmm. Warner Brothers to our old school that we won't name. Did you not always see people dancing or like in Hollywood or like I see people dancing down the street and singing to themselves All the time. All people. Stop (laughs) calling the cops on all people for existing in a way that you don't like. But especially, do not call the cops on black people or people of color for existing in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Because he wasn't doing anything wrong. And that person... Right. Well, and the 911, the wine, bleh, the person who called 911 even says so. Like they ask, like, is he dangerous? Then why are you calling? Exactly. Then why are you calling? They, that person should honestly be held responsible. I, I, I I'm agree not more. even fucking kidding. Like you, it, they're trying to introduce a bill in New York um, after what happened with Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper. They're trying to introduce a bill there um, where it will be criminalized if you call the fucking police <laughs> on somebody who isn't doing anything. Right. Because we have seen more often than not that it is a death sentence for black men and women in particular. Yeah. So... Fucking if you've ever seen someone doing something and you're like, that might be shady. If you don't fucking know, don't call the cops. Well, that was the whole point of what I was saying. It's like I see people dancing and singing down the streets all the time. And it's like if I don't want to engage with it, I just ignore it and keep going. If I want to engage in it, I'll applaud. I'll give a thumbs up. Whatever. I just don't understand this boy's freedom of sorry, man's freedom of expression being this you know, scary thing. Um, I'm, I think I've mentioned this on the show, but I'm in the middle of the Trayvon Martin story right now. His parents wrote a book called Rest in Power. And Elijah's story actually reminds me a lot of Trayvon's story, especially with the specifics of getting iced tea for a little brother, going to the convenience store, um, and also the interaction between the 911 caller and the operator to me seemed eerily similar. Um, So according to the cops, when they approached Elijah, he resisted arrest and apparently attempted to grab an officer's weapon. So in the video. Okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) 
there's a lot to parse out there. I don't understand if you're not doing anything, why are you being arrested? Right. Like, I don't understand this resisting arrest, resisting arrest. Well, why was he being arrested? Period. And the thing is, is that so later in the video, the cop is like explaining what happened to someone else that came on the scene. And he's like, yeah, we came up and I put him against the wall and he was he was heading for Rosia's weapon or something and then the whole video that nothing infuriated me more in this video than being like chill out bro relax dude don't fucking do that again bro I told like they're dude broing him the entire time and he is doing nothing but telling them that they're beautiful and he's sorry and he's just an introvert like it's just the most innocent peaceful sound I mean painful like it's obviously painful but he's saying things so clearly and so beautifully and kindly to these cops who are like dude broing him like a bunch of frat brothers I could not believe what well, I was they, hearing they sought him out to brutalize him there is no other explanation right they moved their cameras uh, and then later said that all of their cameras fell off well yeah they, there's there's an officer that says dude move your camera so it's yes, and that's it's on tape. Clear. And but they did uh, most of them did move their cameras. There's about ten minutes where it's basically just you're looking at the grass and you can just hear everything. You wouldn't move your camera if you weren't intending to harm somebody, right? Period. Yeah, and I've got to say the hardest part for me was that he was just so sick. They had him in a chokehold, and he was just getting very ill he was just throwing up a lot and it to me like it was you know this the beautiful things that he was saying on top of just the fact that he was getting sick and they had such a lack of regard for this man getting sick and we're just like don't throw up on me man like just being so crass is the thing that just was so it's so dehumanizing you know what I mean to to see it even though we hear it all the time and we know that it happens but to to see it happening in real time was something for me and it's maybe because I literally just finished watching it that it was so um upsetting to me uh so when the the cops came they had him down for about 15 minutes and eventually the paramedics come and they inject him with about 500 milligrams of ketamine which is a dosage that is way too much for his size. And on the way to the hospital, he had two cardiac arrests. By August 30th, he was pronounced brain dead, and his family decided to uh, pull the plug and let him move on. Uh, They have talked about wanting to get into more of an investigation, but as we all know, it kind of seems like empty promises well, actually, um, not to well, actually, but uh, as of today, I think um, earlier this afternoon, I believe that the governor did appoint somebody to open an investigation. Yeah, I, I saw that um, Aurora City Manager Jim Twombly announced that he's beginning a critical incident review on the case to review how the police and fire departments uh, reacted during all of this and he also announced that an audit on the body cam footage would be done but this is the thing for me is that like the body cam footage and all of this knowledge has been out there for over a year and like th- to me like you saying hey we're gonna do a really thorough investigation I just watched that 
that video in a half an hour and I can tell you right now exactly what happened and you've had this video for a fucking year. Like, but of course, like, of course, nothing ever happened. Like, that doesn't mean that something won't come of this this investigation that's happening right now. Um, What that means is they had the information, they knew exactly what happened, and they disregarded it on purpose because there wasn't enough pressure. That's always the way it is. The same thing happened with Ahmaud Arbery. The same thing happened with Breonna Taylor. And the same thing would have happened with George George Floyd if nobody had stepped in. Right. Well, and another thing that I was learning about today when I was reading Trayvon Martin's story was more about grand juries that I didn't know before. Uh, That to a lot of lawyers, a grand jury is kind of like a death sentence. And I was kind of like, I've read a lot of true crime books and I've never read that before. But talking about how there's very uh, limited persuasion, I guess. It's just it's all the prosecutor giving all of his evidence and things like that. And then it's just based on the 23 juries, whether or not the case will be taken to trial or not. And I guess a lot of lawyers, especially in these civil rights cases, feel that getting a, a case to go to the grand jury is pretty much just as good as not taking it to trial at all. Now, I don't know if that's still the case. I was reading about that today, and I'm not meaning to say that to, like, start fake news or anything, but then I read that with his case, and I was just like, oh, God, I really hope that they're not trying to push this under the rug or just trying to, like, appease people enough to get the media to stop hounding them. They you know? will always try and push it under the rug. Well, that's they what I'm saying. They will always try and push it under the rug. Because like, I the, literally the only just... The way we ever like, get... People want to know why people are showing up in the streets. Why are people so mad? Why are people fucking setting shit on fire and burning shit down? It's because if we don't, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Do you think anything would have happened to any of those police officers in Minneapolis if people hadn't burned the whole fucking country down? Right. Well, but that's the thing that's frustrating to me because we've had those cases throughout the years that have had this huge media attention and have, you know, brought the world to its knees, much like George Floyd did. And yet then there's still these people like I cannot stop bringing up Breonna Taylor. Why had these cops not been arrested what more do people have to do every time I call the line is busy like I call repeatedly it's saved in my phone and that line is constantly busy what more do we have to do to make law enforcement give a shit enough to do anything you rip can't the whole system down. exactly rip you, the whole system you can't down. just give us George Floyd you can't just give us like to this me is, that's empty promises that's appeasing us for now to make us stop burning shit down but it's not making any actual change I I no longer want to hear anybody try and claim not all cops are bad. I'm sick of I'm done. I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm not either done talking about that, Um, because if if you know what, listen, and I have friends who are police officers and I really don't care if they hear this. I have friends and family that are cops and I don't care either. So so good. I sincerely don't care because you can take off that uniform anytime you want. And the system that you are a part of, that you are choosing to be a part of, is corrupt. It is corrupt at its very heart. Right now, and this is something I've been able to absorb a lot of information, um, and it's been very difficult. It's been very emotionally triggering and mentally incredibly difficult for me. But I have been trying to listen to um, Robert Evans, who does Behind the Bastards, is currently doing a different podcast instead of Behind the Bastards called Behind the Police, uh, where he is basically um, going through 
from the very beginning of this country, from the time this country was founded, the um, beginning roots of the police force all the way through to the present. And let me tell you, it is fucking hard to listen to. And any system that was built that way cannot be okay. Like it has to be completely dismantled and rebuilt in order for it to be okay because they will continue to do this shit for as often as they get away with it. Well, because there's been reforms before you know that idea they is don't not, work they don't work and that was the thing that minneapolis was really frustrated with because their mayor whatever his first name is frey at first he was like there's videos of him doing the cha-cha slide or whatever with protesters and now nobody gives a fuck now well now and now they're booing you so maybe you should have made the right choice like you being there at protests and dancing means absolutely nothing unless your actions are going to back up. I don't want you to take Mm-mm. I don't want you to take a knee with me. I don't want you to fucking march in these streets with me. I don't need a fist bump or a high five. I need you to get on our side and dismantle yeah, I, this whole I, fucking thing. I just thing. don't understand Tear how there's sides anymore. I think that's the thing is that it's been so blatantly painted in our faces these days. Not that it hasn't been for years and years, but I feel like for the average citizen, someone who doesn't listen to our show, somebody who doesn't get involved in social activism in their day-to-day lives are suddenly being confronted with these things. And the fact that, and I know I'm not, you know, naive to the all lives matter crowd out there and the white supremacists, but the fact that there can even be sides about human well, lives. I, I to think me, the sides come I'm never going to get past when that. It comes to police. And I don't think we're going to get to the other stories that we have today, but um, I know, but, I think we're just going to um, talk about this shit today. <laughs> I think the issues come in and I was having this conversation with Anthony is because it's very difficult to reset our mindset, including myself. Like, and I've been at this shit for a while and it took me a very long time to get to the point where I was like, no, no, all cops. No, no, abolish the police. Like it took me a very long time to get there because we have been conditioned as a society to believe that cops are good. It's in all of our media. Um, Mm -hmm. We've been conditioned to believe that. We've been conditioned to believe that America is good and righteous at heart. Um, That the status quo is that we are good um, and righteous. And all of those are untruths. Those are not, they're, they're not true. And so... Yeah, I'm I just want to say really quick, Keegan, I'm smiling because I'm laughing because literally everything you're saying is like the opposite that my dad told me growing up. He's like, trust no one. Cops are bad. <laughs> like, you know, it's just I and I know that that's not how regular society was. And I'm, I'm smiling only because of the fact that like, I feel incredibly lucky that I wasn't ever guarded from that I don't think I knew the circumstances or the reasons but I'm glad that it was instilled in me at a very young age to question the government to question the police and to question what strangers tell me and I'm really glad that I that I was raised that way I didn't mean to like step on what you were saying but like I I just wish that that was more well it it is in black families understanding it is in black families that's the thing my my grandparents felt the same way and never called the cops that's the thing when people are like who are you gonna call who are you gonna call who the fuck do you think who you're gonna call ghostbusters around people have been calling who do you think black people have been calling because it hasn't been the police like it's it's so 
frustrating to me to hear people say that. Uh, who are you going to call weaponizing um, assault, weaponizing sexual assault? Who are you going to call if you get raped? What the fuck do you think happens to women when they call the police when they've been raped? <laughs> what, what what do you think happens? Yeah. You think it's well, all it's, rainbows and, and sunshine and that well, shit just and, gets I mean, like taken care of? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, we can get into a whole other conversation about that, but it's just like, you know, even when you know, a woman calling in with a sexual assault, like it's a re-traumatizing process to even go to the cops in general. And that's kind of the the same thing I feel like with a lot of people, especially minorities, they know that if they are going to go to their local law enforcement, it could do more damage than good mentally and physically. There is a there's a basic mistrust that I am hoping that the part of the country that isn't awake to this already is starting to slowly open their eyes to the fact that our law enforcement does not have our best intentions. I'm fucking pissed because LAUSD, who apparently was like, yeah, we really, really want to cut our budget on our in-school policing completely turned it down. It's so like this. It's so clear to me that if you don't care enough about even children, it's just like the distrust is just mounting and mounting and I'm seeing it in the younger children too. And it's just like, I'm glad for it. I hope the systems end up getting taken down. I've been really mindful to go back to kind of like what I was saying before is like we have, I do believe that we as a society as a whole have been conditioned to believe that we in the media that we watch, uh, we watch cop shows, we watch detective shows, we absorb a lot of true crime, all of these things where we are conditioned to believe that law enforcement are inherently good. They are the good guys all the time. And we have to reprogram ourselves to understand that like that is propaganda um, largely. Right. Can I can I make an observation on something that you just yes, said that my, I've actually been thinking about a lot? Yes, lately my battery is low about? and I do want to talk about Ahmad Arbery before we're done. But yes, go ahead. Okay, we don't have to keep this in. I just wanted to say it really quick. I was thinking a lot about uh, the true crime that I'm taking in. And I've been really kind of reevaluating what I'm listening to because I was thinking of uh, just comparisons between white victims and black victims. I, for some reason, the first white victim that came into my mind was JonBenet Ramsey, someone that we've been solving her case for 24 or some years. We don't know who did it. And then we have someone like Breonna Taylor, where we have all of the evidence there. We know who did it. Everything is very clear, yet there's not even an arrest. Yet I think of all these armchair detectives at home trying to solve mm-hmm. all of these cases. Yeah, put of your these energy into calling, yet, ca- calling Louisville and telling yeah, them exactly. to arrest the cops. And I think, and I, and I would honestly encourage everybody who listens to us to reevaluate the true crime that you're taking in, especially right now, because I'm finding that there, even, even with the podcasters with the best of intentions, the stories in itself are so racist. You know what I mean? And it does, it does kind of like pursue this, or it does kind of uh, perpetuate this uh, white victimhood being better. Although I do feel that a lot of people do their best to say that, you know, obviously this case was handled incorrectly and things like that. I've just had to be more conscious of the true crime that I'm taking in because I do think that that also perpetuates a lot of really racist stereotypes. I agree. Um, Yeah. And there's a lot more to be said about that. But my battery is dying. So I do want to um, mention this one thing before we wrap up this episode. Um, And that is that 
a grand jury has indicted Gregory McMichael, Travis McMichael, and William Rody Bryan with malice murder, four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment. So these three men are the men who chased Ahmad Arbery. Um, they claimed at the time that they thought he was a burglary suspect, although that has been largely disproven now, um, and that they acted in self-defense. Now, to go along with what we were talking about previously, it was two and a half months um, that passed before they were charged. And again, they were only charged because we saw the tape. That is the only reason they were charged. Um, it is the only reason very often that people are charged. I sometimes wonder if people are wondering why every single day uh, I am posting about Breonna Taylor every single day. And it is because if you do not... It's because the only way anything is going to change and the reason why I'm so afraid that things are going back to normal is because the only way things are going to change is through sustained pressure and effort. You have to stay on them because the moment that they think that you are not paying attention anymore, um, they will sweep all this under the rug. So that goes for Ahmad Arbery as well. Like you have to pay attention, even though don't be fooled just because they were arrested and indicted. Pay attention until they are convicted. Um on Tuesday, Georgia did pass a hate crime exactly. bill um, that is now with the governor, and the governor, Brian Kemp, is expected to sign this bill. Now, I did not realize that Georgia was one of four states that did not have hate crime legislation on the books. Georgia, Georgia, a southern state. Oh, boy. Uh, Georgia. Did not have a hate, any hate crime legislation Eesh. on the books. So unfortunately, when this bill passes, it's expected to pass, of course. Um, when it passes, it will not be able to be applied to uh, the McMichaels and William Rody Bryant because it will have passed after they were indicted. Um, but it will it it will suspend sentences um for or extend rather extend sentences for people who are convicted of um, violent crimes that are deemed to be because of somebody's perceived race, religion, um, sexual orientation, etc. Now they did sneak something in. The Republicans in Georgia did manage to sneak in um, into this bill something that gives protections to law enforcement as well, which is shitty, uh, but it is what it is. So. Uh, let me find what it, it here. Say? Hold on. Do you know what the protection is? So Senate Republicans had amended the bill to extend hate crime protections to law enforcement and first responders, uh, which is kind of fucked up because, like I said, you choose to be in law enforcement. Um, you can take off that uniform whenever you want. I don't choose to be a person of color, so it's it's kind of fucked up. The first responders amendment was later struck from the bill in a bipartisan compromise, mm -hmm. but part of that compromise was to allow some protections for law enforcement. So the bill, um, the proposed legislation would create a bill of rights for officers under investigation and would add additional pen penalties for people convicted of targeting a firefighter, police officer, or paramedic specifically because of their 
profession. But in a statement, the Democratic Party of Georgia said Republicans, quote, forced through um, this part of the bill, even though law enforcement officials are already afforded protections under state law, as we've talked about, qualified immunity and other things, and are, quote, all too often at the center of violence against marginalized Georgians that the hate crime uh, hate crimes law is looking to protect. So they're like you're lu- you're lumping them in with the people that they're exactly. murdering. <laughs> um, because let's not forget that yeah, the elder exactly. McMichael, um, Gregory McMichael, was an ex law enforcement officer. So it's it's kind of. I don't know. It's kind of fucked up, but at the same time, it's a win. Yeah, there there is a huge fear of rocking the boat too much. The biggest thing that I'm seeing right now is compromise. And that's really frustrating to me. Um, And I think that definitely between uh, our two parties right now, it's definitely hard to get a more unanimous vote with things, which is why when those uh, those bills and laws passed in the supreme court it was such a win because yeah. it is so hard to to get a full win without a compromise you know um and i do want to say that today so we are recording on thursday june 25th today is a month since george floyd passed away just to put into a little bit of perspective how long that we have been working on this and i shouldn't say how long i should say how short We've been working toward this. A month is not a very long time. We should not be running out of steam by now. Uh, if you're, I, I post this on my Instagram, if your feed is going back to normal, shake the fucking table. Keep posting more shit. I'm on Facebook more now than I ever have been because I know that the people on Facebook are the ones that are going to need to see those things the most. Most of my yeah. Instagram followers are people that are like-minded. Um And I think just really, really still trying to shake things up is the most important thing that we can do right now so that we do not let uh, the memories um, of so many black lives I had something to talk about today that we're not going to be able to get to today, but I do want to remind everybody before we go uh, that, yes, black lives matter. Um, We also want to point out that there are still children in cages and families are still being separated at the border. So I want everyone to know I've seen a lot of yeah. black and brown solidarity on my social media. And I think that that is a beautiful thing. I've seen a lot of my Latinx friends showing up on these streets to protect black lives. And likewise, black people are ready and willing to fight for brown lives as well. So uh, we will be talking about that more um, in the future because that that fight isn't done either. Yeah, let's make that a priority to talk about next week. I think that's a really good thing to discuss. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode. Uh, If you want to be like my crazy mom and go through the correct channels instead of just texting me that she really likes my podcast, you can go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Uh, We would love your episode suggestions. We would love your what's in the news suggestions of things for us to talk about. Keep sending those in. You can also direct message us and follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Uh, We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and you can chat with our fellow listeners on the group page. We are also on Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y. A. N. 
F podcast. Uh, Oh, Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, please, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much to us. And if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a teeny tiny bit. All right, everybody, with all of that being said, we encourage you to rage rage on. on. Bye. Bye bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.